Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues in leading small group leaders. Group Talk is hosted by Carolyn Takeda and is a product of the Small Group Network, a network of small group point people that exists to build relationships, share ideas, and help one another become more intentional at accomplishing the tasks God's laid before us. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Hi, welcome to Group Talk. My name is Carolyn Takeda, and I'm the Executive Director of Small Groups at Calvary Community Church in California. And with me this morning um, is my guest, Daniel M. He's the Community Life Team Lead at Beulah Alliance Church in Edmonton, Alberta, um, in Can- up there in Canada. So how are you, Daniel? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Um, Daniel is Daniel and I have this in common. We're both Korean, but he's Korean-Canadian, and he was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, and has since um, lived and worked in Ottawa, Montreal, South Korea, and Edmonton. You've been yeah. in a lot of places. Well, lots of traveling before kids, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and you've oh, been now at your current location for four years, mm-hmm. um, and you've worked in churches ranging from 100 people to 50,000 people yes. um, in the past eight years, and currently your church has about 3,000 or so on weekends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, Daniel has written quite a bit uh, around a mid-sized community, which is a topic of our conversation this morning, and we've titled it, you know, Mid-Sized Communities, Is This the Future of Group Life? Um, and I was really intrigued when I heard about this. Uh, a while back, actually, um, I followed Daniel's blog, which is excellent, by the way, and we'll give you the link um, after our group talk, but um, I remember reading about it and being really intrigued by the idea that um, there's almost an alternative, and yet it's a different environment for small group relationship building, um, but it's kind of similar and kind of different as well. So can you just kind of start off us off with defining what is a mid-sized community and what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we, <laughs> the title, Is This the Future, um, <laughs> is a little bit of a daunting title. <laughs> it was it was right. Ben Reed's idea, so the future. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, when we think of that, um, I think a lot of us want a silver bullet, Right. Yes. We want to solve all the problems of our church and small groups and getting more, more people connected. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, Carolyn, but I haven't yet discovered a silver bullet really. Isn't that isn't that why we have you on the program? Aren't you going to give us the silver bullet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think I think when we look at everyone's context, there might be a silver bullet for everyone's context, a sure. different one. Um, but I think the key thing is to differentiate, you know, what is that? Um, what is that for your context? 
you know, when we look at community and having a magic formula for a community, I think it's important that we differentiate between the means and the ends, you know, or the form and the function. Uh, so every context that I've pastored in, I've noticed that there's oftentimes a percentage of the congregation that will just not get into a small group. Right? That's true. Even if you do everything and even stand on your head and have any leadership buy-in, I think everyone would agree that there are some a portion of a congregation that just won't go to a small group. Oh, totally, right? And then, you know, you read this book, you read that book, you know, you read <laughs> Ben's new book, too, as well. And, you know, you think, well, you know, what's going to work in my context? Um, and I've tried so many of them. And when I came here uh, in Edmonton, you know, tried all these different models. And I just, there's nothing I could do to get the jaded, you know, the too busy, the consumeristic ones, the ones that are not open. You know, I, it was so hard to get those people. Yes. Right. Into small groups. I wanted, you know, I wasn't worried about those people who came from other churches or cities or people in my church who knew and understood the importance of small groups. But I just wanted to get those right who were jaded and, you know, who had the, the a false sense of community or those who were disillusioned. So or had so no that's idea. What I thought about mid-sized communities. Right. Mm-hmm. So how did so you wanted to solve this problem of this unconnected um, people? And yeah. so you landed on a mid-sized community. And so what kind of stumbled you onto that? Yeah, well, you know what, I uh, through the research that Edward T. Hall did in the 60s, um, you know, Joseph Myers talked about this in his book, The Search to Belong. Uh, he, he talked about this idea that there are four environments that people get connected in. There's the public space, which is kind of more than 50 people, the social space, that's 20 to 50 people, the personal space, that's 8 to 12, and the intimate space that's kind of like one to three people. Um, so when I was looking at my church and, and the churches that I've been a part of and other ones, you know, I've noticed that churches of over several hundred people uh, have been very intentional with the public space. You know, that's the weekend gathering, right? That's what we know. Um, a lot of churches are intentional with the personal space, which is that small group environment. Right. Uh, we've even been intentional with the intimate space, you know, either through one-to-one discipleship or accountability groups or, you know, any of those intimate, uh, more intimate accountability types of groups. But sure. I, I just don't feel like as a church, um, as a whole, we, we haven't been that intentional with that social space, that that 20 to 50 person environment. Maybe the only time I've seen really social space um, is more in like a Sunday school classroom or a Bible study class sort of setting. I think that's yeah. when you see more of that, but that's a little different because community is not the main primary emphasis for that. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, those things, uh, it's interesting when we look at, um, you know, how, how do you create an environment that's um, scalable? How do you create an environment that's reproducible? And I think that's why there's so much power with this small group model, right, because they're not hindered by the size of a building or a particular location. Sure. Um, so when we look at um, the attractiveness of a Sunday school model, I think it oftentimes has to do with people being along that spectrum of task versus relationship, right? If they're a little bit more task-oriented, then they're going to want to do some sort of Sunday school environment or a course. or gotcha. you know, And if they're more relationally inclined, they'd want to oftentimes move towards a small group. But right? the mid sized community gives you... Right. Yeah, what kind of social environment, you know, that, that 20 to 50-person environment could you develop that is reproducible, that is scalable? And that's the idea of mid-sized communities. And I know you have an acronym for this. Um, that yeah. nif- it's so nifty. I think people, pastors who go to seminary, learn how to do acronyms. Oh, totally. Uh, and be able to fit the words so that it all works. So it's belong, which is perfect. So can you just tell us what each of those things stand for? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the one-liner of what a mid-sized community, because, you know, we've, I've been kind of talking about it here and there. The one-liner is that, you know, it's a new way to think about community. Uh, it's an environment of 20 to 50 people who journey together to celebrate, grow, and be a blessing to those they live, work, and play with. Right, so the acronym BELONG, it starts with B, it, it's blessing and serving others. You know, in MSCs, uh, there are community where blessing and serving one another is normal. For example, one of the members in my MSC, uh, when they got into a car accident, uh, her husband had to go there and be there um, with her. Uh, and since her car was a write-off, it was a bad accident, instead of bringing his two-year-old twins with him in the car, he quickly called up another MSC member, um, one of many that he could have called and asked, hey, can you watch my kids? Uh, and, you know, that was such a blessing to be able to do that with one another. Okay. And then the E? Yeah, the E is extremely welcoming. Uh, so it's a community where everyone's welcome, where you can come as you are. You know, so we've had everyone from Muslims to Catholics to seekers to people who've just moved into our city uh, to people who've been coming to our church for 20-plus years and others who've been coming for less than two weeks come into a mid-sized community um, oftentimes, out of you know the 16 plus that we have, we're always getting new people into our mid-sized community every time they gather. It seems interesting. It seems like perhaps a mid-sized community it would be more uh, a less daunting of a place to enter if you are not a Christian, if you aren't a believer yet, if you're a seeker, or if you're from a different faith, um, because the the spotlight's not on you uh, in a group of maybe six to ten. Yeah, yeah, and you know I, I find it's it's depending on where someone is in their faith spectrum or their journey spectrum, right? So some may want to, as their first step, come to a weekend service. And I think a lot of our churches are good with that. Yeah. And we have systems yes. for that. And, you know, but what about the person who never even wants to step foot into a church building? Right. Right. So. Do you find that you, do you, find that you have people in the MSCs that um, don't attend on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we have some who even go to different churches. Because okay. uh, that's kind of where they're plugged in, but this is uh, an, an expression of community and of uh, being missional that works really well with them. Okay, and so the L? Uh, life together. So MSCs are a community where life's not lived in isolation but together. So, I mean, the MSC gathering is not the only time you're going to be seeing one another. Right. So, for example, uh, there's this member in our MSC, uh, you know, for a while she had she has been coming over to uh, my house every Thursday uh, with my wife. And, you know, they kind of take turns watching each other's children and and one goes out and works out and the other comes back. And then my wife, you know, goes and works out. So it's just a, a neat way to be living life together. OK, so the life together and kind of the, um, the serving one another that you would see in a small group. So that's. It's interesting that you can replicate that in yeah. a larger context uh, yeah. where people are not going to necessarily know each other as well. You almost have to kind of make that a, a priority. Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, for those of us who, you know, understand the importance of small groups, we understand that small groups are not just about that small group gathering. Sure, right? sure. You know, we want there to be life beyond that. Of course. Um, and I find, you know, in a, small, a successful small group is one where there's great chemistry. Um, but I find that in a mid-sized community, there's greater opportunity for that uh, because there's just so many more people, which increases the likelihood of you actually wanting to get together with someone in the off weeks. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's a great point because we can engineer and intentionally put people together and do all sorts of things and become almost e-harmony for people to plug into small groups. Yeah. But there's something about that chemistry you just can't um, – you just can't know until they're sitting in that room. 
Um, and if it's just by sheer numbers, I guess if you have 20 people versus 10, you've doubled your chances of finding someone you're going to click with. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Okay, so in the O? Uh, open and engaging. So they're a community that's open to everyone, regardless of your beliefs, looks, or habits. Uh, where the large group teaching and smaller group discussions are engaging and relevant. So, you know, for example, in our in our mid-sized community gatherings, there's a lot of topics that can be covered. It really depends on the type of mid-sized community you are. Um, but then also there are smaller groups that can be formed in the off weeks. Uh, so oftentimes mid-sized communities will meet every other week. Uh, and then smaller groups can form in the off weeks, whether it's the formalized small group that goes through a curriculum or maybe it's two or three guys getting together at 6 a.m. before work uh, and they're going to pray with one another. Um, those are the types of environments that can... And not uh, everybody is required to do that, right? So some no. people can just come to the MSC and other people that want it um, can can engage more deeply into a smaller segment? Yeah, because everyone's at a different place, right? Um, and And I find that with small groups, uh, you really are capturing, unless, you're, unless your church is like, hey, if you're not in a small group, you can't be a part of our church. You're a big uh, loser, unless, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, unless, like, if your church is like that, then, yeah, that's, it's going to work, right? Okay, but that's rare. Church, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if your church isn't like that, then uh, it's kind of like the people who, you, who need community, the jaded, the disconnected, those, um, I find that they will never even step foot into a small group. Yet, with a mid-sized community, they'll step foot into a mid-sized community, but they may not step into a small group within a mid-sized community, but at least they're getting community. So what percentage in do you the think... Environment well, right. To, so to, what percentage do you think of people in mid-sized communities do engage in that smaller within um, cluster? Is it half? Yeah, you know, um, so with the roughly 600 people that we have in mid-sized communities now, um, about one in five are in a formalized small group. Okay. Okay, formalized meaning they we track them in our right. system, right. you know, but then ad hoc, you know, even through the conversations you have sure, in all sure. our mid-sized communities, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably about 50 to 60% of those in mid-sized communities that will get together beyond the mid-sized community gathering. Okay. And you're okay with other people um, just staying in MSC until they're, they feel comfortable, they feel ready to do something uh, more with the smaller cluster? Like there's no judgment that, okay, if you're in MSC, you've got six months and you need to get into a, a small group within the MSC. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, no, I mean, you know what, my, my heart is for, um, my, I, I want everyone in the church to be connected beyond the weekend service. Sure. Right. And and I'll give you an example. There's this one family who um they were a part of a mid sized community. They were on the email list, they came out once, right? They it was this last November that they came out for the first time. Um and they hadn't come out before, they hadn't come out after that. Uh but they still felt connected to that mid sized community by being on the email list, by being in relationships with others. Uh and then what happened a month after that is um uh, they they actually lost their daughter in a car accident. Oh, wow. Um, them and their family, they all went, but they lost their daughter in a car accident, and this was a Thursday. Um, and then, like, Thursday, in the, like, Friday in the morning, basically, and then Friday we were phoning back and forth and trying to figure out what happened. And 
um, the Midnight community leader. He was in touch, and that night he he contacted all of his, his entire Midnight community, and they're gathering that night. Everyone brought double, you know, because oftentimes uh-huh. there's food, so they're right, just right. cooked double. They prayed for that um, that couple, that family. They wrote cards. Uh, the next morning, the leader and I went out together to visit that family, to pray with them, to be with them. Um, and, and you know what? Like, honestly, that couple, if they were not a part of that mid-sized community, although they only came out once, mm-hmm. although they weren't a part of a small sure. group, I mean, they are so connected into that mid-sized community now. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge lifesaver for them, and how great that they had that. Yeah, because how often do we hear stories of people, yes. you know, they call into the church office and they're like, oh, I lost a loved one or, or yeah. you know, I'm going through this crisis. And you're we like, yeah, you want to reach out to them. You want to minister to them. But, but you don't know them, yeah. Yeah, and they're not connected anywhere. Right, right. That's a great. Um, that's interesting. And I love how the community rallied regardless of whether this person was core, you know, attend all the time, or this person just stopped by once. I love that the level of care is independent on that, um, and just that that's that's just beautiful. Yeah, and um, how much momentum and, yeah. and power is there in the in the number of changing for them. people, right? Right. So you get, you bring a lot more to the table when you have that many more people. Um, yeah. How about the N for belong? Uh, you know, it's naturally connecting with one another. So honestly, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> naturally versus artificially engineered. Yeah. Well, you know, come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, you know, I, I find MSCs are large enough that you're not the center of attention when you're new. Uh, but they're small enough that you're bound to find someone that you connect with. And so, if you're you're really odd, and it kind of you kind of have a wider spectrum of people <laughs> to to mesh with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's where we found that both extroverts and introverts um, find their place in a mid-sized community. I think, all, you know, you, you, an extrovert thinks of a twenty to fifty person environment, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I, I can't wait to be with that." But an introvert's like twenty to fifty people. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, but I found that introverts, they, it's it's such a neat environment. Right, it's such a a cocktail party, you know, relaxed type of environment that introverts can get their food. And you know, with there being food, um, even the most socially awkward people can be natural, right? Because if you don't know what to say, you just eat. <laughs> sure, sure. That's that's the beauty of food. Um, and yeah. how about the last one, G? Oh, you know, we gotta had to get the God word in there somehow. <laughs> so last God but not word. least, God. Yeah. God is present, and that's the focus. Yeah. Um, now, you talked about, okay, food being a key component of the environment. What are some other, just quickly, what are some other things, log- just logistically, that happens in MSC? Kind of walk us through an MSC meeting. Yeah, you know what, there's a there's a regular scheduled gathering. So, like I said, every other week, um, oftentimes the MSC will get together. Uh, and you have, them by affini- you have them by affinities? Yeah, they meet either by, um, they can form around affinity, geography, or cause. Oh, okay, those are three options, okay. Yeah, and the neat thing about that is, you know, an affinity MSC would be the one that I lead for young families where you bring your children, it's chaos. Yes, right? like, <laughs> I'm well aware of that. <laughs> yeah, like last Friday we had, what, 22 adults, 30, 40 kids. Yeah, when you're five. outnumbered, it's, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was chaos, but it was so much fun, right? Yeah, it's uh, great for the kids. It's great to have multi-generational um yeah. spaces which we don't typically have in our churches so that's great yeah yeah so i mean there's the affinity there's the geography oriented one so like southwest edmonton or you know what 
what that might be, or there's the cause, like we have um, an MSc for social justice, like social justice MSc. And we people, have another can one, choose, people can we have just another sign one, sorry, up for you know like midlife adventurists. <laughs> <laughs> so you know all of them can form on a different um, you know affinity geography or cause. But the really unique thing is, although community is so important, MSCs are this environment where community and mission meet together. So the MSC will get together and gather and form around affinity, geography, or cause. However, when that MSC comes together, that actually then flips and becomes their mission-focused. So my MSC, for example, it's, forms, it's formed around the young family's affinity. But as a mission, we then reach out to other young families. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's 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 uniquely linked together that way. That's great. Okay, so it is a missional community. All right, so they meet every other week. Um, you have food. You take turns bringing food. Talk a little bit about your leadership model. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's led not by one couple or not by one person, but it's led by three to six people. So the neat thing about the three to six person leadership team is that it's not like one couple or one person is the leader and everyone else supports them. We've actually had some embassies where that was the case, despite what we told them, that, you know, the leadership team needs to be a co-equal, co-discipling team environment because everyone, you know, there's no, all, there's no perfect leader, right? Sure. But we all have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but despite saying that, we have had some MSCs that are like, you know, they're the leaders and others are supporting them. And those ones have failed, to be honest. Interesting. And I know you're passionate about this piece of it from talking to you before, but why um, it's so critical to have um, the leadership team. Yeah. And are these people that they find themselves, or do you, um, as a church, find um, partner up people, or how does that work? Yeah, um, you know, we have a pretty unique leadership development system uh, for these where we look at initial, ongoing, you know, practical training. Uh, but the idea with the initial training is we've, uh, we've cr created these five filters. You know, how do you find someone who can actually lead a mid-sized community? Um, so the five filters are do they have a missional mindset? Uh, do they have leadership capacity to lead 20 to 50 people? Because uh, the type of person to lead 20 sure. to 50 is not the Different. same as someone who's going to lead a 10-person group, right? Sure. Uh, do they have solid foundation, right? So character, faith, commitment to our church. Right. Do they have previous or concurrent experience? And you know what? Honestly, we used to have four filters, but what we realized was the fifth one, time, was such an important <laughs> thing. Right? That's huge because it a, it's a significant commitment of time. Yeah. And yeah, are they expected really to shepherd all of these people, or do they divide up the people to shepherd? It's When you have six people um, leading together, I would assume they divide up the leadership tasks. Yeah, you know, the neat, the neat thing about our mid-sized community, um, the leadership teams, is that they're not a committee, right? Hmm. So, you know, you know, acronyms, right? I, they're just great <laughs> There's another word. one? <laughs> yeah, another one. Uh, it's it's another acronym, and you know I know it's a bit acronym heavy, heavy, but it's a way for us to make this reproducible um, and scalable for our leaders. So our leadership teams they stand together. So the acronym stand, um, and and the reason why we came up with this acronym is uh, just to really help them understand that this is not your typical leadership team. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes we grow up and we think, hey, it's committee, everyone brings what they're best at, you know, everyone kind of has a role, and then, you know, that, that's how it works. Uh, but actually, in, in the leadership team, 
Um, everyone, you're not recruited onto the team because you're a good party planner. You're not recruited <laughs> because you're a good teacher. Um, you're actually recruited because you, you know, you have that missional mindset, you have that experience, you know, you have that capacity. But once you're on the team, everyone has co-equal responsibility over it. They contribute differently based on their strengths. Okay. Uh, but the leadership team actually disciples one another. And that's the beauty of this. Uh, the leadership team actually becomes that that small group that we all long for, the one where life has happened together, where they're discipling one another, where they're where it's not just one person leading the others, but they're doing it together. And out of the health, out of the vi- the vibrancy and the vitality that comes from that, it actually then pervades into the mid-sized community. That makes sense. I mean, they're almost modeling it and living it out for everyone else to see. Um, yeah. So that makes a difference. Have you noticed a higher level of success with those people that knew, already knew each other before they connected like this to be a leadership team versus the ones where um, you guys set them up? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we, we we don't want to set them up because chemistry is so important. Right. So right. we have 16 mid-sized communities right now, and, you know, we've been doing this for a couple of years, and we have about four or five in the in the kind of in the dugout, right? <laughs> they they have the vision, they want to do it, but we're not releasing them. We're actually saying, I'm, we're not going to let you lead until you find others you can do this with. Well, I, it. I love that high commitment to that because that means you. this is a such a such um, the foundational piece for the MSC. So would you say the leadership, I mean, this is true about small groups. We know that small groups um, – live and die and grow or don't based on the leadership. And it seems like for the MSCs that would be just as true or even more so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? The idea is I don't want the mid-sized community to be this ministry that I serve. Hmm. These are people that I minister to. I wouldn't naturally connect with them otherwise, but this is my, you know, I'm I'm bearing the cross. You know, I'm all, <laughs> you know, I'm dying myself and I'm serving them. <laughs> I don't want it to be like that because it's not natural. True, right. and and it, people don't won't do it for long. I mean, they'll exactly. burn out. It's, it, not, it's not life-giving. Yeah, it's not life-giving. It's not natural. They'll do it for a year, and they'll be done. Uh, but what I really want the MSC to be is, hey, I want this to be integrated into your life. I want you to want to hang out with your leadership team. I want you to want to hang out with those in your MSC anyway. Even if you weren't leading it, you would do it. Do you find much floating between people going from one MSC to another? Is there much shopping around, um, trying one, trying another, or do you guys discourage that? You know, one of the one of the leadership, uh, one of the you know belong attributes is that it's open, right? So if if you're really open, you're you're going to be able to go to this one or that one, and that's what we do actually encourage people um, to go visit a few until you find the one that you connect with, uh, and then to get connected that way. Do you ever close them when they get too big? No, no. The beauty of you know we look at um, small groups versus mid-sized communities, and what what do small groups, what do we want them to do? What do we want successful small groups to do? And I think one of them is to assimilate people, for discipleship to happen, and for multiplication to happen, right? Right. Um, and you know there's been so many group, so many so many models and books written on small group multiplication. You know what I was I pastored in Korea, yeah. You know I I know about that salch. <laughs> That oh, yeah. church model and <laughs> that's like small groups on steroids, basically. Oh, totally right. <laughs> and and I think we all know the principle of spiritual multiplication. We all sure. long for it. We like it. It's good in theory, but no one wants to multiply. 
It's yeah. I mean, we have that challenge here. It's they find they find that community and they want to stay. Um, yeah, that, I mean, as pastors and and church leaders, we want them to multiply, but the average person doesn't want to multiply their small group. And the MSC kind of helps with that issue. Yeah, because now you have twenty to fifty people. Right. 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 So a, a multiplication, regardless of the size, regardless of small groups or men's high school or wherever, multiplication is still painful because it's change, <laughs> and no one yes. likes change. Isn't that the truth? Yes. <laughs> but 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 it doesn't feel like radical surgery because when when the mid-sized community multiplies and there's so many ways that that can happen and we probably don't have time to get into that. Right. But um, but when it multiplies, you can actually go with those you most connect with. Sure. Which is you're not in theory be best friends with 50 people, right? Right. In theory, you would have that with small groups too, but it's much tougher because of the the sheer number so small. Um, yeah. I know we only have a few minutes left. Okay, so we talked about. Um, about how great all this is, and I know when you were uh, launching this at your church, you had a little bit of resistance, and I'm sure if you know some of our listeners are thinking, that sounds really great. It sounds a little bit like a silver bullet, but at least worth uh, investigating and maybe piloting. So yeah. what would you say, Daniel, would be um, the resistance that uh, we might expect, and then how do we overcome that to kind of get us started? Yeah, you know, I think we all love the idea of church planting because you can start everything afresh yes you know, that's a fantasy have, <laughs> exactly you don't have the naysayers and all that but uh you know my church is 92 years old one of the first churches at edmonton out of our church we've planted over 50 churches wow um you know so in the dna of our church is multiplication um and and yet when i brought about this idea i, I mean we were so ingrained in the small group model I mean, we even had Bill Donahue come up here years ago before <laughs> before he went around and did a lot of the circuit sure. stuff that Willow he you know he did with Willow, uh, and we were like we were all about small groups. Uh, wow! So there was that in our culture. There's a shift. It was a huge shift, right? So people are like, it's different. That's not the way we do it, you know. And then other people are like, oh, it's shallow, or other people are like, oh, it's missional, and um, you know, I I find that because MSCs are such an inclusive concept. Uh, people often latch onto the area that they think the MSCs are the weakest in. Hmm. Hmm. And then they make that the obstacle to doing them. So how do you overcome the obstacle? Yeah, you know what, my suggestion is to, I, you know, I, on my blog I, I list out about 20 steps of what you can do to, to bring about this change. But my first suggestion, I think the most important thing to do, is to be a great question asker. Hmm. To ask the, the, the leadership in your church the lay leaders, the key leaders in your church at all levels, ask him, ask them these questions, right? So I'm going to list off a few questions here. Okay. Are there places where 20 to 50 people can gather and it's big enough that a newcomer won't feel like they're, their cent- they're the center of attention, yet small enough that no one will fall through the cracks? It's amazing the type of conversation that you'll actually, that will develop from that question. Um, are there places in your church that are big enough that everyone will find someone to connect with but small enough that meaningful conversation can take place without it being comfortable. You know, when was our church the 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 best at assimilating people? When did people people feel like the church was small enough that we could connect with people? And if you're not at that place right now, what's changed and how can we create that dynamic without going back to that time of the church? I- I guess it's what might be challenging in part might be that um 
if you do go into the MSC, is that going to rob your current small group system in some way? Are you going to be poaching leaders? Is that going to somehow weaken what already is working? I mean, that's I, I could see that being um, part of the the risk. Yeah. And have you um, encountered that? Oh, totally. You know, we have because uh, we did have a lot of resistance. So um, I, 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 I outlined a pretty, a pretty good process where you could kind of ensure that that doesn't happen okay. uh, by allowing those small group leaders to feel included, the, the, you know, the page on my blog. However, um, what, I, what I did was, you know, by introducing the idea of mid-sized communities, I actually released some of the most struggling small groups. <laughs> Oh. That they wanted community, but they weren't healthy, and they weren't growing. But they were together because they were like, if we're not together, then we're not growing as Christians. Right, right. You know, but I actually released them from that and have given them a new outlet into community. And even honestly, some of the small groups that went rogue, uh-huh. <laughs> right, uh-huh. or yes, disbanded yes. Um, because we wanted them to multiply because they were too big. Uh, we've right. actually now been able to re-engage those types of leaders, oh, strong leaders. Oh, that's very interesting. So it doesn't have to compete. I mean, it's really a both-and option. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, we are out of time. This is so fascinating. And I remember in our conversation a couple months ago, um, I was so intrigued by it, and I wanted to try it at our church. And I said, it's the first thing, you know, I should do. And I remember you telling me, take it slow. Yeah. Uh, make sure you have the right leaders. And um, pilot it, and just start with one and try it out. And I think that's that's good advice um, to get started. And you know, you're very active on social media. Um, your blog has tons of great resources, and that's www.danielm.com. I will post the links to your Twitter and blog and other things um, along with uh, with our conversation. Thank you so much, Daniel, for um, what you're doing for the kingdom, for supporting the small group network, which you are part of. Um, so it's great that we get to to kind of journey together in this adventure. And um, I know Daniel's going to be available on Facebook for any comments that you might have, um, that any of our listeners might have, or any questions, or if you want to challenge him, or if you have a silver bullet that you'd like to share with um, Daniel or myself, we'd love to hear that too. So um, he'll be hanging out on there for, uh, for a while, and you can um, contact him through that or through any of his social media. So thank you for listening, um, and we'll see you next time. And we're done. Awesome. That was great. Hey, thanks. You you know this stuff like backwards and forwards. <laughs> you hey, really need to great, write a you're book. You're a great interviewer. <laughs> I I interrupt too much. <laughs> no 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 no. But you 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 kept it going. You know. Yeah, you're great. You should have your own radio show. <laughs> so sweet. I listen to NPR sometimes, and I have oh, okay. this, this one interview. That the interviews are phenomenal on that thing. Yeah. And I just heard this. Um, well, coming in this morning, this the woman, she's Kristen Tippett. She does this thing called On Being, and there are very few few female um, uh, voices on the radio. They just don't in, in Christian radio. There's virtually none. It's so small. But anyway, she was interviewing this guy whose whole this whole thing is about story. He's got a whole thing around stories. Mm-hmm. But then anyway, she said um, the voice. It captures the soul like nothing other, and I was like, really? Because you know we're such a visual stimul visual medium, right? In our culture now, yeah. it's all about video and YouTube and all that stuff. But it really got me thinking, and sh- and she was saying, and her guest, who's like this New York Times, you know, whatever person, big shot guy, was saying that there's something about the voice, and so he records all these stories. He's got like 50,000 stories in the Library of Congress now of ordinary people, and he does them on audio on purpose. 
because he believes that the voice actually captures more of the heart than oh, really? um, without the distraction of the the visual. Yeah. Huh. Which is very, I know, it's kind of intriguing to me because I think radio is so passe and even audio is kind of passe, but um, apparently no. It's it's apparently more more relevant in some ways than, than other stuff. But, no, you've got such great content, and hopefully, um, and I know because I wandered around your your blog, um, you've got the, the next steps and all of that, and we'll, we'll add those on as well. But um, but that thank you so much for doing that. And then I'll send you an email for a possible time for us to connect on the other topic. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and I think yeah, I've been kind of mulling over it too. So yeah, and I think um, I think that's more of a just a free ball, like a free for all in terms of it's really so close to my heart, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure probably yours too. That I yeah. think, and I liked what you said about let's not limit it to multicultural small groups because that's really boxed in, but really about um, the verse I think we can kind of use as foundation is the be, th- be all things to all people, so you can win them to Christ. Yeah. And yeah, the and idea you, of not seeing color. How do you how do you value people's ethnicity um, with respect and dignity, without and acknowledge it, but not make that the the main focus? I mean, there's just so many things around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I wonder. Um, I wonder if the next one could be really, like, what if it's more of a dialogue between you and I. Yeah, that could be. Right. And you can ask me questions. That would be fun because it's, it's, we come from two different – in some ways we have similar experience even though we grew up totally different places. Yeah. But the idea of being the other yeah. and being outside, I mean, that that's very much part of um, my, my life experience, even now. Yeah. I mean, even especially now. If I sit in, in these meetings now without my buddy, I feel even more other. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, I think that'll be good. So that'll be maybe more of a dog. This one is just because this idea, and I, I definitely think there's a there's a little mini book in it for you because you're doing it in this piecemeal form, right, on your blog, on other yeah. things. But just to kind of go, okay, how do you do this, and then do it yeah. as even a even like a e thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, so I'm your I'm your like marketing agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, you know what I I, um, you know even when. Uh, you look through the discipleship pathway thing. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and you said, you know, you said you you were thinking maybe about trying something um, like an umbrella, creating an umbrella for our system. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's part of the that, that's part of the beauty of that that model, uh, or that's kind of what I want to do with the book um, because it's this idea of okay, what are some key shifts, um, key philosophical. Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues that lead to small group leaders. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. So I think a lot of times we look at these different models out there, right? Like the disciple shift or whatever. Right, right. right. And you're like, but yeah, I, I like the relationship part of thing, but I don't like that. Yeah. But what's the principle behind that that's actually contextualizable to everywhere right but then how do you create the umbrella the reason i resisted creating an umbrella Mm -hmm. is because i don't want to um i don't want to dilute what um, community discipleship is and if i create an umbrella for every um everything on the buffet right now at our church there'd be some sketchy stuff in there that i i don't think belong Mm -hmm. and i don't have the power to to yank it yeah um, and because the person who would have that power to yank it, my peer, um, thinks everything done in Jesus' name is in you know, hunky dory, 
and people are all attached. Their hearts are wrapped up in this, Carolyn, and you can't tell them no. They can't do it. And I'm like, but having a Toastmasters group doesn't do anything to do further. Learning how to give speeches on topics doesn't help us. How is that related to our mission? Yeah. But it hurts, you know, so so I guess when I have seen people do umbrellas and why I think I liked your discipleship uh, pathway is generally it feels like there's a bit of a sellout um, where they stuck everything on the platter onto there and then gave it some really broad Hmm. stroke umbrella so that it would say we are doing this. Hmm. And I don't know how to do, and my challenge is how do I create that overall structure with the guiding principles but not have, um, but be able to to say the stuff that the ones that don't fit on that table needs to go. Yeah. So do you find that that's partly what I did then? Or? No. I so that was actually because I don't know your church. So yeah. I know I think what you avoided it is I don't know what else goes on in your church besides is this everything that happens? The starting oh, point lot. alpha. There's does everything in your adult ministry world fit into the special pathway? Yeah, I was able to do that. You were. Uh, yeah, because all the ones that – and part of it was priority, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give priority to something that's like 20 people and you – know. No, we're talking five people and doing learning. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want to give priority to that. So basically what I did was I, I, I looped them into experience an event or class. I, I saw that that was your, like, your catch-all. Yeah, because, I mean – there are retreats and conferences and you know and on-site table groups you know classes that are that are good that I don't think are bad right but I don't they're not the main thing and, right. and I wouldn't want someone to think that they're the main thing so when you look at our bulletin you know it looks like okay if this has you know the, an inch of space then and that has an inch of space then they still look like they're the same value yeah but I don't that's not what it is it's not and I guess the thing with the pathway is because it's um, the the pathway is always kind of feels linear, mm-hmm. and but some of your language though makes it not so linear. Mm-hmm. So even though you call it first step, next steps, ongoing steps, um, you get the sense that it's not you can start anywhere and you can move around in it. Yeah. So it kind of kind of fits our our consumeristic sort of culture. I think it's more well, no, in the, in a good way. Yeah, I think yeah it, no, totally. In, it fits in that, okay, this is what, how people are going to be thinking about this. So yeah. I like um, So I, I like how you did that. I, I, so my challenge was, okay, how do you, how would I do it? And then I think part of it is I'm just wrestling with not just not liking um, our system. So the mid-sized community might be my better starting point. Yeah. <laughs> just start well, to take you know, stuff over. <laughs> well, you know what, um, let, me, let me send you um, my, my thesis. Uh, okay. And, and because part of it, you know, the whole idea of the first, next, ongoing steps idea. Right. Um, it's from there. The, the principle behind that is that it's adult education oriented. Yes. So the adult ed principle is adults learn best when they have life experience or they ha- are facing a problem and they sure. choose solution. You know, and that's that's the idea with it. The catalytic um, was it any kind of catalytic relationship and event and whatever the the things are. Because you're right, people aren't going to connect unless something is pushing them to do so. Most yeah. people are not self-feeders, so they're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. But what's what's nice about the pathway and having one is that it, it makes it clear. So people don't go at your church, don't go, well, what do I do next? Or what should I be doing? Well, here's yeah. here's 
you know, find your step, figure out where you are, and then figure out the next piece to it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I think it has, it definitely has potential. I was saying you should create a little mini, mini um, Kindle pamphlet for just the MSC stuff because you've written so extensively on it. Um, all over the place, including the top ten this and the top five that, and how do you get started? How do you go over the resistance? I mean, you have so much content. Okay. Um, it'd be kind of cool to have it in one, you know, little, little pamphlet kind of thing that you could download um, and have it in one spot instead of digging oh, around yeah. your digging around your blog for it, which yeah, is what true. I did. <laughs> but, that's know. true. That's true. Just as a oh, that's thought. That's a great idea. Just because you have, you know, nothing else to do, if you yeah. want to create that together. Um, and if Ben's still <laughs> listening to this, which he should have stopped listening a long, long time ago, but if he's still listening, he can create one for you. Yeah. Uh, since he did it this way, and he wrote it so fast, he wrote his thing really fast because he knew yeah. it was going to be short and Kindle, so made it easier. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. Well, let's cool. keep noodling about um, our our next conversation, and then yeah. um, we've got a little bit of time on that. And then I'll send you um, another recording, and then we can send our notes back and forth and maybe have that as a dialogue. But okay. thank you so much, Daniel. I think this will be really helpful awesome. for people well, who want to try something new and different. Oh, anytime. Thank you for being willing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, t- you take care. Okay, have a great bye. week. Bye-bye.